Good evening, family. How y'all doing? You made it out here to Canada? <laughs> I missed summer from two weeks ago. But, uh, it'll be back soon. Uh, we're celebrating baptisms tonight. Can you raise your hand if you're getting baptized? See that over there? That is exciting. You know, in, in every worship service, we can come grateful for what God is doing and has done in our own lives. I love the baptism service because it reminds us about what God is doing in other people's lives. Doesn't that prepare you just a little bit to come ready for somebody else and not, and not just about yourself? And so uh, certainly as, as we move towards the baptisms at the end of this service, uh, celebrate. Uh, we're gonna, you, you can think about what God's done in your life and remember what God's done in your life or maybe get a vision or a view of what God wants to do in your life. But man, we're celebrating what God is doing and has done and will continue to do in our brothers and sisters. So I'm excited. I can't wait to get there. We've got a, uh, my name is David. I'm the site pastor of our Sterling congregation. So if you don't recognize me, got some Sterling love. Uh, yeah, that's, a, I didn't have anything to say about that. So, um, if I didn't look familiar, uh, that's why I spend my Sunday mornings there. But I'm so glad to be with you. We are one family. We're a multi-site church. And uh, I, love, I love how we express ourselves in every place that we are uh, with distinction, but with the same mission, the same vision, the same values, serving the same purpose to win the city for the gospel of Jesus. Tonight we're going to continue the Knowing God series, and we're going to be looking at the baptism of Jesus. We're going to be looking at the account in John chapter 1, but before we read that passage, I want to encourage you that if you find yourself with uh, a question of what should I read in the Bible uh, this week, I want, to, I want to encourage you, read about the baptism of Jesus. It's really fascinating to look at because it is uh, covered in all four Gospels. So you do see this baptism of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what's fun about that is they all report it just a little bit differently. And that's, that's actually really encouraging because it gives you a, a larger picture, a larger view of what was going on. And so you get a very full picture. And you, you see it expressed in the personality uh, of the different writers. And you see it expressed differently for the audience that they were writing for. And so it's a really encouraging exercise. When we look at the Bible, some people will, uh, who haven't ever studied the Bible or haven't taken uh, history very very studiously would look and say, well, all four accounts are different. That must mean that it's not true. And that's just, that's not the case. When you see differing accounts in scripture pointing to the same event, it actually reinforces what we call the historicity of scripture. The, their account is proven to be more true, not because they're exactly the same, but because there's distinction. All you have to do is look at a Twitter feed after a major event. Or look at your Instagram feed, and what you'll see is pictures that were taken from different perspectives of the room that people were standing on or the sports field that they were attending. You'll hear different people emphasize certain parts over other parts of the story, but what you get is a full, more broad, more, more complete picture of what actually happened at that moment. And so if you're looking for something to study, if you're like, man, pastor says I should read my Bible every day, but I don't know what I should be reading, just crack open the, the baptism of Jesus and, and go ahead, you can... Uh, you'll find it in the first few chapters. I'm not even going to tell you where it is. So it's in the first few chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's easy. It's chapter 1, and we're going to be studying that now. Um, John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. That he there is John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before 
before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, awaken us to the reality of your kingdom and to the sensitivity of your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we celebrate baptisms tonight, what we're celebrating uh, with our brothers and sisters is that they're identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as they go down into the water to symbolize the death and burial, and they come out of the water into the new life that they have in Jesus Christ because he's resurrected from the dead. The baptism that Jesus received was, was a little bit more distinct. We call that the baptism we're doing tonight the believer's baptism because they're people who have already be, been saved by faith through grace. There are people who have made a declaration that I can't save myself. I'm relying on the mercy, the goodness, the, the holiness, and the goodness of God to redeem me and to save me. And because they've called on his name and they've surrendered to him, Jesus gives them new life. He births them afresh in the spirit. And, and that's what we're doing. So it's a, it's a symbol that follows. It's a, it's a ceremony that follows what they've already committed to and what's already happened in their lives. Uh, if this is the believer's baptism, you can kind of call what Jesus went through the sinner's baptism. Because it was a baptism done by John the Baptist for people who recognized their, their need to repent. The baptism was their repentance. Our repentance is a change in a direction of our belief, of our heart's disposition, of our direction. Their, their, their repentance was actually getting baptized. You with me? No? Okay, all right. Y'all are quiet. We talked back in Sterling. I know you do on Sunday morning. Is it the cold? Did the cold, did the cold get you? It's all right. We'll get there. Thank you. We'll get there. We'll get there together. When Jesus shows up on the scene and he's got nothing to repent of, John the Baptist is like, hold up. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus responds, no, no, no. It's important for us to do this. And I'll talk about that more in just a moment. But it's as if somebody shows up at a body shop with a brand new car and says, I need you to work on my car. Brother, there's nothing to work on. It's like if you show up at the doctor and you're completely healthy, the doctor's like, there's, there's nothing to work on. How nice would that be, by the way? Just to have enough time to go to the doctor because you're healthy. That'd be an interesting life. <laughs> God was doing something here. Right here, God was getting ready to fulfill a promise he had made 700 years before through the prophet, prophet Isaiah. And he prepared John the Baptist. He's saying, you're going to go and you're going to baptize people and you're going to look crazy for it. You're going to be consecrated to me. You're going to eat locusts and honey. You're going to be out in the desert. And people are going to come to you to be baptized because they're going to recognize their desperate need for salvation. And you're going to be out there and you're going to be doing all sorts of things. And people are going to ridicule you. They're going to accuse you. They're going to accost you. But you need to do this because the ministry that I have given to you is important. You're going to identify the Messiah, the one who I've promised. It's pretty exciting. Jesus obeyed. 
even though John the Baptist tried to talk him out of it. How funny is that? Jesus being God's like, this needs to happen. And John's like, no, I don't think it does. I'm certain that it does, John. And we're going to do it right now. He said, let it be so now. For thus, is it, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. It's amazing to me, and this isn't even the point of the sermon, I just wanted to highlight this, that Jesus said it's for us to do. It was the most holy and the most righteous partnering with a sinner to reveal the kingdom. For the knowledge of Christ to be made known, Jesus partnered with a man who was less holy than him, less righteous than him. And he said, it's going to take us to do it. In Jesus, we're invited to do something remarkable with God. The whole reason John was doing this, as I said, was because he was there to reveal one greater than him. His ministry wasn't about his own goodness. It wasn't about his greatness. It wasn't about his platform or his purpose. He knew his purpose was to reveal one greater than him. And we should follow John's example in that. In our careers, in our neighborhoods, in our service, in our family, we should not seek to make a name for ourselves. But we ought to seek to make a name for Jesus. So Jesus obeyed and the spirit descends. And it was evident to everyone who was watching. Everybody who was looking on. And it says that John testified to this. That the spirit descended at like a dove. And the Holy Spirit was pleased to descend on Jesus. When the spirit of God descends on you and I. There should be something evident to the people around us that he's done it. I'm not just talking about outward expression. I'm not talking about just shouting or having an emotional moment or an outburst. I'm not talking about, about the big stuff that happens on the outside or the big word or the fancy, the fancy you know, Facebook post, the, you know, the real spiritual one that talks about how great you've become. God used a dove to demonstrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. We see in, in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is evidenced as fire, as wind, as water, as rivers, as streams. And here he chooses to show himself to be a dove. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan aflame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So what are these things that should become evident in us as the Holy Spirit descends on us? Power. Power, there's a manifestation of power when the Holy Spirit comes and rests on us. Not one that needs me to magnify it or to seem greater or bigger than it already, or already is because God's going to do what he's going to do. And of love, do you love God more? Do you love the people around you more? Do you love the community more? As the Spirit descends on us, love should rise up in self-control. 
the power to say no to unrighteousness. But even better, the power to say yes to righteousness. I find that as I mature in Jesus, as I grow in him, it's, it's less saying no to bad stuff and saying it's, it's more just saying yes to good stuff. I get to say yes to righteousness. I get to say yes, I'm walking away from that thing because I'm pursuing something greater, not because I'm staying, from some, uh, staying away from something that's icky or gross. We need to be passionate about God doing the deep work in our soul, doing the deep work in our spirit, not satisfied with the big emotional outward thing. The outward emotional thing can be faked. Anybody faked excitement? But who's ever faked love? Who's ever faked true peace? I didn't get much agreement with the faked passion. I'm not going to tell on you. I'm just saying that I know some of us have faked. Feigned passion. Fake it so you make it? No? Okay. Pastor Brett, the Sterling congregation needs a lot of help. The remarkable thing is not that the Holy Spirit descended. It's that when the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, he remained. Anybody can encounter for a moment, anybody can splash in a pool, but who can stay in the presence of God? Anybody can shout a little bit on Sunday morning and jump up and down and and even cry tears, sincere, true tears. But who will the dove stay on and remain? Doves are sensitive birds. They're wild. They're they're not domesticated. They can't be domesticated. That's why we use them in ceremonies because they fly away because they don't want to be anything anywhere near a person, right? That's why you just open the cage and they go because they don't want to have anything to do with us. But you see, and so so that's why God chose a dove. They're very much unlike their pigeon cousins, right? Pigeons and and doves are in the same family, but you can tell they're barely related. (laughs) Pigeons. Yeah, we don't have time to talk about pigeons. I don't know who's more lucky, you or me, that I'm not going to talk about them. But doves are sensitive and they don't want to be around chaos. And the only reason the dove was able to remain on Jesus is because he was at complete peace. He was pleasing to the Father. It says in, in right here in this verse that the reason he was doing it is because the father was pleased to do it. Now, why was the father pleased with the son? It's because the son was obedient. If we want to be pleasing to God, it's not about doing something remarkable and big and, and giving away all of our money and going on all the trips and, and doing all the great things and building all the great things. It's simply about obeying. Sometimes we do all the other stuff instead of obeying. Because obedience just comes too hard. I'll do the big, dramatic thing because I really don't want to forgive that person. I'll give lots of money in the offering and so I can get a tax write-off. And so if the church looks at the finances, they'll think I'm great, but I'm, I'm going to hold a grudge against that person who wronged me just a couple rows up and to the right. harder 
to be obedient. There's a way to live that we remain pleasing to God. And there's a way that we can live that's displeasing to God. And it's a choice that you and I make as to which camp we stand in. Which foot do I stand on? It'd be tragedy to be saved by Christ, to be called his son, to be called his daughter, to be redeemed and washed clean of her sins and never become sensitive to the things that he's sensitive to. It'd be a tragedy to be coming to church and and showing up on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and joining a small group and serving on some team and giving of your resources, but to never let your heart be turned to the things that his heart is turned towards. You know, there are some places that the Holy Spirit just is not interested in going. There are some places that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to have anything to do with that we run headlong into. Maybe it's only as far as your computer and you're watching, you're binge watching Netflix. But you know it's not pleasing to God. No, maybe it's the outburst you had on 66. Oh. (laughs) Maybe it's that outburst that grieves the Spirit of God. And he's like, no, that's not my heart. Now, I'm not talking about a Holy Spirit that leaves us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. I'm not talking about, about losing our salvation. What I'm talking about is forfeiting the, the nearness, the, ple- the presence, and the pleasure of God for this moment. I'm talking about the things that, that you'll never become because you, you, you weren't willing to do the hard thing to let the Holy Spirit reside on you. I'm talking about the thing that you'll, you'll never be able to do because you chose your emotion in the moment over the plan and the, and the pleasure of God. Because Jesus was pleasing to the Father, the Holy Spirit descended peacefully and rested on him. So how can we be pleasing to the Father? The way to become pleasing to the Father is to surrender your life to Jesus. The way to be pleasing to the Father is to make a declaration that you're not going to do it. You're not going to live for yourself. You're not going to do things according to your ways and your patterns and your hopes and your plans, but you're going to do things according to the plan and the purpose of God. It's a surrendering of your heart to the Father in Jesus Christ. It's saying, Jesus, I believe that you lived a perfect life on my behalf. You died the death that I deserve and you rose from the dead and I'm gonna hide my life in you. And the way this works, when the father looks down on you, he doesn't see you any longer. He sees his son. Well, he sees the righteousness of his son on you. He's like, that's, that's pleasing to me. Son, that is pleasing to me. You have become pleasing to me. Daughter, you are pleasing to me. 
It's not by our straining. It's not by our effort. It's not by our resume. It's not what we give. It's not how much we serve. It's not how loud we shout, how much we cry, or how long we hold our hands in the air. It's how much do I find myself under Jesus Christ? How much do I find myself at the shadow of the cross hiding in Jesus? And once he's done this work in us, it's simply a matter of obeying. It's simply a matter of following this God that desires to be near us and saying, I want to do what it takes to be near you. I feel that way about my wife. I want to do what it takes to be near you. Tell me what I got to do. Well, don't look at other women. Got it. Won't look at another woman. Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I won't look at another woman with lust. I'm going to live righteous with my eyes. What else could my wife say? She'd say, hey, weekly date night. Got it. Need you to take care of the yard. Got it. Need you to be wise with the finances. Yes, ma'am. I want to be close to you. I'll do whatever it takes to be close to you. Need you to do the dishes. I love you, baby. I love my wife. I've been pastored by Pastor Brett. I love my wife. Plant a garden? Yes, ma'am. That's a cross I haven't had to bear yet. I'll do whatever it takes so that I can be close to my wife and my wife can be close to me. What would you be willing to give up to be this close to Jesus? To allow this spirit of God that descended like a dove on Jesus to rest with you and to remain with you. Special kind of confidence comes when you know the dove is resting on you. Right? I just got a picture of a parrot. You know, the pirates and the parrots. It's not like a stupid parrot. It's a dove. Should have stayed in my head. What confidence will you have knowing that the Father is pleased with you and his Holy Spirit is remaining on you? That's what's available for us. That's what's available for us in Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't just save us and be like, hey, good luck. I'll see you in heaven. Don't mess it up. I died for you. He's like, I died for you. I've redeemed you. I call you righteous. I call you mine. I give you my name. I give you a purpose. I give, you're going to be more who you were designed and purposed to be because you're in me. And he doesn't just leave us there, but then he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to become who he wants us to be and to do what he desires for us to do. Just promise upon promise upon promise upon promise, gift upon gift upon gift upon gift. I don't know, I'm excited. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that descends upon us. Just that you're willing to remain on us is remarkable. I ask that you would give us a fresh sensitivity to your Holy Spirit and that you'd make us willing people to walk away from the things that grieve you so we can choose you in your presence over temporary pleasures 
there's anybody here tonight who need, you're like, man, I've been going my way and I've been living according to my plans and purposes and I'm ready to surrender today. I want to follow Jesus. I need to be cleansed. I need to be clean, purified. Can you raise your hand so I can pray with you? See those hands. Bless God. If you raised your hand, pray with me. Father, I surrender tonight. I've lived according to my plans and purposes. Tonight I surrender. I turn from everything I know to be sin. I receive your love, your forgiveness, and your resurrection power. Give me the faith and the courage to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.